Passion, drive, and patience. That's the formula for winning championships and is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. They have superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and much, much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, they've got it all ebay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber and not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins let's keep your ride or die alive today at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply and I know I've talked about this before, but I really, 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 really am pleading with NASCAR. I guarantee you is listening to this. The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Hey guys, welcome to Actions Detrimental. I'm Denny Hamlin, driver of the number 11 Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing and co-owner of 2311 for Bubba Wallace and Tyler Reddick. And my co-host is... Jared Allen, uh, purple vest guy, photographer, videographer... Social media for Denny Hamlin. And shout out to everybody out there for not uh, yelling my name this afternoon. We had mm. a little... I got to pay up. We had a little bet. We did. Oh, uh, airplane or uh, helicopter traveler. It, I mean... Well, that's not You new. just go the... <laughs> <laughs> you go the racing style now. I know. Yeah, so we, I had a bet with uh, Jared uh, that from the bus lot to the car, somebody would call out jared's name so the the fact that they didn't was pretty surprising to me obviously uh people that listen to this or they listen more than they watch this i guess yeah right um because your face is very memorable i mean like i don't you don't have a forgetful face i think you have a very distinct look okay I don't know how to take that. <laughs> it's a good, it's a compliment. It's a, it's not a dig at all. It's a compliment. But yeah, so I lost a hundred bucks. Thanks to the Martinsville fans out there. I mean, I hear probably, gosh, it, what do you think? I mean, you hear the people, do they talk about the podcast more than go get them today? I think so. Now you, you hear that a lot now. Hey, love your podcast. Yeah. That's good. I mean, that's good. People are listening. Hopefully, hopefully you uh, continue to listen. Hopefully, I can continue to give you some insight. Still um, plenty of booze, though. Yeah, it's just Martinsville, you know. It's uh, cr- seeing the crime <laughs> <laughs> from 2017. Um, yeah, we had uh, we had some racing this weekend. Um, well, before this weekend, speaking of purple vests, you guys had your uh, semi-annual biannual 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 yep so we have amongst our our purple vest there's probably probably close to 40 of us um last year we started this before martinsville since that's the race that everyone's kind of around and no one has to do any major travel for we went out to gopro and got as many people as we could together and and did a did a, a race amongst us purple vest guys that was last year we did that there were 16 and this year it grew to 28 and i mm. know we were still missing a handful of people um but i know that's something these these guys listen to this the guys and girls listen to this podcast and you've kind of created a, a camaraderie or at least added to the camaraderie of calling great 
calling everybody purple vests. Oh, now, everyone's very proud. I about saw it. it was part of the trophy as well. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so, cool. And, and you finished P7. P7. Of, I didn't wreck anybody. Everyone yeah. thought that I was the weapon going into this race. I didn't wow. wreck anybody. Um, Danny Safer of JGR won the race, so mm. the race goes home. I to saw Toyota. a hella wreck. You show me some uh, GoPro um, footage of a massive crash in turn one. Is everybody hairy. okay? Yeah, it gets hairy in the back, as you know. Yeah. So I also heard during qualifying that uh, <laughs> the, the, the slowest individual um, <laughs> during qualifying um, happened to spin out and when she made her way back onto the racetrack, she cut about half the course off. So her lap time was significantly faster yes. than everyone else's. So everyone knew it, but y'all was just like, it, let her start on the pole. Yeah, yeah. Hannah of Storehouse <laughs> Racing. I, I think that's what happened. Her transponder may not have worked, but I think she spun out somewhere on the track and cut the course. Anyway, she had a 48-second lap, track wow. record, yeah. fastest lap on the track of all time. <laughs> so we were like, yeah, f*** it. You're on the pole, Hannah. Wow. How long did she keep the lead? About 20 feet? I think I passed her going into turn two. Oh, wow. <laughs> so Poor she thing. did not. She did not finish last, though. Who, so so who was, that's kind of interesting that you can start on the pole. I don't know if she, her lap times were the slowest, but she did not finish last. So she started on the pole and did not drop all the way to the rear. Pole. Sounds like there was a lot of passing. That's encouraging. Yeah, <laughs> more <laughs> passing than today. Oh, okay. Uh, no, we had uh, we had some racing this weekend at Martinsville. Start off with the uh, the truck series, and um, you know I thought that that race was interesting. It was just kind of a in between race where the the rain was coming the entire day. I mean, it was wet, like wet, wet, and then it dried out, and then they decided to put the rain tires on when it got to the final probably 20, 30 minutes of drying. So I think that this is what they NASCAR said that they wanted to use these wet weather tires for originally. They said, hey, if we can cut out a half hour, if we can get on track a half hour before we're supposed to, you know, because of weepers or rain or puddles across the track, then we could put these tires on and make use of them. Uh, they did. And one thing that I really, it stuck, stood out for me, dramatically was that wow these tires actually put on a good race like you saw tons of overtaking now now just remember that the guys don't have their trucks dialed in for the wet weather tires which i think were dramatically tighter than what uh the slicks were so you're gonna have people that hit the setup or miss the setup based off of that but the biggest thing was just like just the passing and with passing, I looked at the lap times, and in 25 laps, they dropped a second and a half of lap time in 25 laps from their fastest lap on lap two to lap 25 when they uh, or whenever they threw the caution. Right, so I was like, "Wow, that's." And, and you looked at the tires, and it was like, "Wow, that didn't wear." Like it's not bald. Like it's you know you would think that these tires would wear out so quickly because they're so soft. Uh, that it would just demolish the tires, but they didn't, and they they held up good, um, which tells me it's possible. Which is why I tweeted that. So it's possible for us to build a tire that falls off, that can create some passing and come comers and goers. Um, and then I looked at the lap times once they put the slicks on. It was like hardly any fall off at all. So it was just uh, that was uh, something that really kind of 
stood out to me. Uh, I saw Kyle Busch's interview uh, where he was like, you know, they probably should have started the race a little sooner. They probably could have. But, you know, this is NASCAR kind of treading water on like, let's just tiptoe into this wet weather, you know, deal. And now that they know that how that tire performs, how wet the track was, how dry the track was, um, I think they're going to be more apt to use it now um, in damp conditions for sure. It, you know, listen, if it's, if we don't, if we're not going to, ha- if, if it's going to be a dry racetrack with just a few puddles, we don't need the mud flaps. That's for sure. Because it seems like they were very hesitant to run it when the track was fully wet, which I agree with. I, I, I just think that wet weather ovals, you have walls, you have no place to go when you overshoot a corner. It could make for some massive wrecks. So I think they used it at the right time, personally. So, so you were content, content with calling the race when they did and not going back to the wet weather tires? Yeah, I was looking at the, you know, because I was tuned in watching on TV, and I was looking uh, on my radar app yeah. to see, like, is this cell, is it, is it going to hang around? I, I thought that they would have had to wait probably another 45 minutes for it to really clear and be clear for the rest of the evening. Well, there were spotty showers everywhere but like i think in 45 minutes they could have re-gone again but it was so late in the night i i was indifferent either way right i'm gonna stay up just because i'm an avid fan right uh but i don't know how many people would stay up at 12 31 o'clock to watch the end if it's past its halfway point yeah it sounded like from what i read on twitter from reporters at the track that the overall um feel of the garage was that they did want to go back to racing on the wet tires, at least to try it. Yep. Yeah, I think they should have tried it for sure. But you're trying it in the middle of a race that that means a lot to the competitors. So, right. And once you try it, when do you call it? Right? Is there a big wreck? And you're like, all right, we're done. Yeah, basically, right. Kind and then we would just be, you know, hammer NASCAR yeah. by that decision. So I think it's probably the safest play is the one they made for sure. I think the only time maybe you you do try it is if it's uh it's it's a practice situation where, hey, if you don't want to go out there, don't go out there. But you know, at least let a few trucks out there, uh, if it's or cup cars, if it's you know pretty wet, and just see how it works out. But it's uh, it's good. You know, the right truck won anyway. Uh, Corey Heim, uh, I think that was the first win for Tricon Garage and David Gillen. Uh, so congrats to them. And um, yeah, it was a. I thought it was a good race, very competitive race for sure. Um, then we had the Xfinity Series. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek just was so fast. Um, the Gibbs cars really seemed to be good on on the uh, short tracks. Uh, Josh Berry was really fast in the long runs, but they just never really got long enough runs, or strategy didn't work out for them to for it all to work out. But uh, I thought it was you know those races were were, were pretty good, and um, you know we didn't see you know just massive crazy wrecks, you know show type wrecks that we've seen in those series. Uh, in the past, so I was I was pretty happy with what what we saw. And those mud flaps came to play. <laughs> yeah, it made for <laughs> an epic burnout for John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, I was hoping that you know once he pulled away from the wall and it was still on fire, he could just keep roasting them and you know be like you know the DeLorean when it yeah <laughs> got to eighty miles per hour. But uh, but it was great. I think he had a, a fire protection sponsor, so. Man, that was that was epic. I don't know if he planned on that. If he did, that's what I want to know. Because if, if he planned it, it was it was awesome. Big Execution. brain move. By John <laughs> big brain move, no <laughs> doubt. All right. So moving into the Cup race today, um, 
I don't know, quite just quite well, different from the Xfinity and truck races. Well, you know, I, I you know what I was gonna do um, race race morning. I was gonna tweet out. Uh, don't forget Chase Elliott's return. Tune in to FS1 at three o'clock. You know because my Twitter feed—that's all it keeps feeding me. I, the algorithm, yeah. You know, NASCAR. I don't know what they spent on Chase's comeback as far as advertising, but man, they were—they're ready. They're ready for that comeback, and um, you know, it, which is good. Hey, anytime they're promoting drivers, we're we're all in for it, right? But. Uh, they, they certainly could do do that more often, for sure. So Harvick was asked in the media center on Saturday, I guess it was yesterday, um, what he thought about Chase's return. And he said that he does think that that plays a significant factor into the TV ratings. Do you think that's the case? I personally don't know if that's true, but or I wouldn't guess that that's I, true. TBD, right? We'll find we'll out in a couple yeah. days, right? Um, certainly the, the ratings have been in a slump. Uh, for sure. Uh, you know, I, I think the fans in general and social media are, are, are really, really tough on Fox. Um, I, I I think some of it is warranted for sure, but I think that they're very critical about some really small things um, that they could get better. Uh, one thing, you know, I, I saw at, at Dirt last week or when I watched it back was like, you know, the, the announcers would be talking about some side-by-side -side battle and the, it, the, camera wasn't on it so you didn't know what what are they talking about let, let me see this battle right and then you see i did notice too as soon as like some action would start to heat up on a side-by-side -side battle they'd cut to like 12th place and you know these guys are battling for you know, it look you know you see the second place guy working over the first place guy like right on his ass and about to make a move and they cut to like side-by-side -side for 12th and it's like oh well Let's just let's keep it let's keep it in the battle that's about to dictate who's going to be leading this race. So certainly, I think from a production standpoint, we, we could make some improvements. Um, it's so hard, I, you know, what they're doing is so so hard when you bring in different third parties into uh, call the race each and every week. It just that's difficult. I mean, professional uh, announcers and commentators are like. The best ones are so hard to come by, and they make you know drivers who go up there and do it part time. You know, we they're just on another level. Like I've learned, a professional at anything is is great, right? And I got to do a few with Adam Alexander um, and Xfinity, and it's just like wow, he's so good with the calls, and like he brings the level of excitement when a move is about to be made. And um, man, those guys. They're really, really good, right? And while it's good to bring old drivers in or, you know, maybe crew chiefs or something in, you know, it just doesn't replace solid talent that you have there every single week and allows them to mesh. They know when to talk. The next person picks up because they, they know when that other person is about to finish their sentence and then, bam, they're going to pick right up. Um, and so I think that that definitely could, could help for sure. Uh, but, you know, it's a tough job tough tough job up there um i've seen some of the behind the scenes production of what it takes to direct a nascar race and they've got all these cameras and they're go to this camera go to that camera and you know it, it uh it's difficult when so much stuff's going on yeah i think from a driver's perspective you're look fox is probably looking for that tony romo-esque yes character right yeah. someone who just 
came from the sport and can really articulate what drivers and crew chiefs are, are seeing. Yeah, and certainly I think that uh, there's an element of it, right? It's how, why is it so compelling t- to listen to MRN, right? You're not even watching the race, but man, they make it seem like someone is making a massive charge and is side by side and driving into the car. Like it is so exciting. And I think some, at times we get very monotone when there's an exciting moment going on that, uh, certainly would bring a level of excitement. I think to a casual race fan that like, Oh man, I need to be paying attention. Like this is, this is big. I think that Harvick going into Fox next year certainly will hopefully bring in some of that chemistry that those uh, those uh, two permanent guys definitely need. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing these ratings because if they do, in fact, show that there's a Chase Elliott factor, I think that's good for drivers and mm-hmm. helping prove to NASCAR, hey, your drivers are your important pieces, right? You need to promote them more so there's more Chase Elliott factors. Yeah, other than great just- point. Chase Elliott. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that that's what our series has lacked since the big guys went away. The Tony Stewart's, the Dale Juniors is that it's the star power. Right. And when the most popular drivers not at the racetrack uh, who has the largest fan base, it's it'll play some factor. I think that his fans were fans of his dad or, you know, or just fans of his. Yeah. They're, they're going to watch NASCAR racing probably no matter what. So but Hey, if it's if we're flat or not a double digit loss, I think that we're probably saying that it's a chase factor for sure. Yeah, they're legacy fans trying to connect to the modern day drivers, yeah. and they do it through the last name. Yeah, I think Kevin Harvick definitely said it correctly in the media when he said that you know he he is kind of the last link to the uh, the legacy fan for sure. Yeah, so he finished tenth today and got out of the car and said he had zero pain whatsoever in his leg. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, it means that yeah, certainly uh, he he came back at the right time, um, finishing top ten in your first run back. It's this is probably one of the most physical, physically demanding racetracks on that, uh, except for the road courses. The road courses certainly will be a, a much bigger challenge to him in that left foot braking than what Martinsville was. But um, but still, you know, very solid showing first time out. Where do you want to start? Uh with today's race and unpacking this? Well, you know, I think that obviously, you know, the, the, the elephant in the room, right. Is, is the, the type of racing, right. Did, did we like what we saw? Did we not, you know, when we were kind of gathering before we started hit, hit play on, on or record for this podcast, our producer Travis is like, you know, I'm pretty new to this and the race seemed fine to me, I guess. Like, so, there is always an, another side of the coin, right? You know, we're, we're going to be the guys since we've been in the sport for such a long time to compare it to a, a different time. Right. But we are in a different time now. Right. It's, you know, I looked back and I try to be as well educated as I could because I knew this was going to be a topic. Um, you know, I, I looked at, you know, lap times over the last 10 to five years, uh, 10 years ago, five years ago and then now and to see like it is what we're feeling a real thing the lack of passing you know uh, the ability to pass is tire fall off not what it used to be um the the very short answer is 
Yes, without a doubt. Um, tire fall off is half of what it used to be. Um, and, and in a time where you had lap time fall off that was twice as much and you had cars that were different because they were manufactured and built by the race teams themselves, there was more overtaking because there was more variables, different drivers, different cars. Um, you know, it, it, it just all added up to more lap time variation, right? When a car would hit it, you could come back from a speeding penalty, blow through the field and like you could make it happen. And, and in the next gen era, it, it seems as though we, we talk about more and more execution. You know, I say it with my 11 team all the time, right? Uh, it's execution. It's it, when you get in the lead, control the race, don't lose it. And if you don't lose it and you just execute a nice smooth day, you don't make any mistakes, have good restarts, we will find ourselves in a position to win most times, most times. But um, the, the short answer is that the, the passing was more difficult, without a doubt. As we saw, whoever got out up front, and, and this is this is not just a Martinsville thing. Like at Bristol, whoever took off to lead a stage would lead every lap and win the stage. Ryan Priest went from what we thought was the most dominant car. You put him in the back of the pack, and he was one of the first guys to get lapped on on the lead lap. Um, Joe Logano, uh, I battled with him to lap him many times. Uh, well, a few times. The 19 was in the absolute way. All race. I mean, he must he had been 30th. And just, he he caught the caution. He didn't pit, I guess, and caught the caution and then put himself up in the front. So I'm wondering, were their cars really that bad or are they just in air, right? So like, I, it's hard to say which one it is. Like, when you put a good car in the back, does it just become And when you put a car up the up front, does it just become great? Like, I, I don't even know. And it's very hard to tell. Um, but certainly, it's, it's it frustrating because as drivers, it's taken our skill set out of our hands, right? Like, I know what I need to do if I want to get a little bit more lap time. I know techniques that I can make around that racetrack to either set up passes or gain a little bit of lap time, depending on how long the run's going to be. I, I can abuse my tires for a certain amount of time. And, and I know that, and I can use that skill set to make passes. Now it is, I, you just put me behind someone who's never ran the, run the racetrack before and I won't be able to pass them. It's just that, that difficult. And so, um, I, I looked at a couple of guys' quotes after the races, after the race, and I, I saw it was very familiar. Obviously, the Stuart Haas guys who were dominant early put them in the back. They didn't do anything. Yep. Um, you know, the five car was pretty good. Um, not stellar, but he was he was okay. He was pretty good. And then you know, he it worked out to where the front cars, us included, stayed out because we had thirty laps on our tires. And we've only fell back to fourth. It was it was crazy. I expected to go five years ago. I would have finished a lap down. Like it would have been that that big of a detriment to stay out on old tires. But you know, this is a 
a problem I really, really wish we could make it a forefront of our um, testing. I know that we're trying the Aero package. I, at this point, I don't know if it's the Aero package or not. I think it's a grip horsepower problem. Um, I'll say that because I remember doing tests about 10 to 12 years ago when we were running 900 horsepower at 950, really. Like it was, we were up there. And they kept playing around with tapered spacers. Like, all right, we're going to cut the horsepower down at whatever track we were testing at. And I noticed for every 50 horsepower that they took out of the car, because we, we kept trying these different plates and they kept choking the horsepower down more and more and more. The, the long run was two tenths faster every time they started taking horsepower away. So if the fall off was 1.5 seconds at any given racetrack that we were testing at, if they took us out, took 100 horsepower out, the long run was only a second of fall off. So the cars didn't slow down nearly as much because you don't have the horsepower to burn the tires off. So that's been 300 horsepower ago. So it, it measures up to what we're seeing while we're watching the race and what we're feeling while we're driving is that I'm running the same damn times or if not faster than the guy with in brand new tires right behind me. It's just because we don't have the horsepower to get our cars to spin the tires. So we've made a conscious effort to not only take horsepower away, but also take RPM away. And we, we talked about this as drivers in our, uh, with NASCAR just a few weeks ago at, at Atlanta. And the initiative behind this that has come from NASCAR is that, you know, they're trying to get the engine bills lower. For whatever reason, they want the engine bills to be lower. And that's really hurting competition right now. We, we've got to identify that it is hurting our on-track product. And is, is it worth it to try to get a million dollars less engine bill? Are you willing to give up, you know, what we're giving up for our on-track product? I just don't think that it's worth it. And by the way, the, the engine bills have not gone down since we were running 900 horsepower. They're the same. So we just, I don't know where we're going. And I know I've talked about this before, but I really, 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 really am pleading with NASCAR, who I guarantee you is listening to this. You got to give us some horsepower back or RPM or something to create the passing like we, we need to, because it's, it's really... It's a challenge and it's taken driver skill sets away. And so I don't know the, listen, I don't know the right answer. If they added a hundred horsepower overnight, which I don't even know if they could. Uh, I listened to Jeff Gluck's podcast is a great one, by the way, uh, the teardown after the race. And he says that uh, Dustin Long spoke to Jeff Andrews, the Hendrick Motorsports engine uh, or I believe he's the president there. I could be wrong. But Jeff Andrews, a high-up executive at um, at Hendrick Motorsports, he says, you know, if we press the button of go right now, that next year we're going to have 100 more horsepower. He's like, it's possible. We can do it. But the parts, like I know that Andy Graves at Toyota said the same thing. Getting the parts that we need to make our engines have more horsepower, 
um, would take time. Now, again, you could just take change the spacer in the car and it takes about 15 minutes and we could have more horsepower. But the engine builders, you know, build the engine around that tapered spacer. So they would, he said we would have to dial it and say it right now. If we wanted more horsepower next year, you would have to make the call right now because they can't get the parts in six to 12 months. Like that's his timeline of switching to a more horsepower package. But I, I really wish we would consider it. I know we keep talking about it and I guarantee you from the driver's perspective, we will keep talking about this. Um, if this is the road that we're going to continue to go down because we just, we're not, we're really hurting our on track product with this initiative to lower RPMs, lower horsepower. Um, it's just not, it's not good in my opinion. Um, and, and I only speak that because I've been doing this for 18 years and I've been through lots of generations of cars, lots of generations of in engines. And this is, this is by far, uh, the toughest that it, it it's not just tough. It's impossible. <laughs> you can't, you can't make the moves that you, you need to make. There was one pass for the lead today when, t when the two, when first and second place were on the same tire strategy. And that was when I passed, um, Chase Briscoe for the lead. Now it took me 60 to 70 laps on tires for me to actually pass them. But that was the only lead change today where it wasn't a tire advantage, disadvantage like Larson at the end, right? Well, he was going up against cars with 30, 40 laps on his tire. So it made him look like he was super strong, which maybe he dialed it in that last run, but it's, we're, we're, there's gotta be, we used to really talk about all the green flag passes that, that the cup series had. I haven't heard anyone say that in the next gen era. Is someone hiding those stats? Because they used to really boast on, we got the most green flag passes that we've ever had in history. I ain't heard that in a long, long time. And certainly I'd lo love to see the green flag passes for the lead stat because it can't be good. Well, Priest started the lead right at the start of the race and then also won stage one. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's, without, without having to stop for pit road, he would, he would let all 400 laps because the, that's, it's just that difficult to, to, to pass. And so, um, to I, I'm not on my own on this one. The, the, you know, I, I'm looking at the bunch of driver quotes that uh, we're all frustrated with it for sure, but this is just kind of the box and the, where we've been sent down. Um, it's down this path and we're starting to see when you choose things like that, there's, there's always a, for every action, there's a reaction. This is, this is the reaction to taking horsepower out of the cars and now shifting, you know, we have to shift because they've taken RPM out. So if we could run more RPM, we could not shift. That certainly would help passing as well. I'm going to stay on that train as well. So we've got plenty of options. And then by the way, Let's have a tire that falls off, please. We know Goodyear is capable. They are so capable. They're smart. We've, I've toured their, I'm sorry, I haven't toured it, but my team has toured it. It's like, wow, they've, they've got enough technology here to make tires better and would really challenge them. And I know Dale Jr. is on this. He's on this train, like Goodyear, come on, like give us a tire that will really start to fall off. Um, 
it's possible. I guarantee it's possible. It's just they they don't want blowouts. They don't want whatever, right? But if you knew as a driver that you had to save your tire or it would blow out. I mean, that is... That seems like you something you should want, right? Absolutely, because like you, you want the driver yes. to be afraid that he's going to lose a tire if he pushes it too hard. Because you, Jared Allen, you might want to go uh, faster early on in the run it's to get your drive. position. I'm going to hold back and be like, "All right, I'm going to get you in the long run." But maybe a caution saves it, saves you. Right. You've got your track position now. I'm like, shoot, I shouldn't have waited so long. So maybe the next run, I go push harder. Like that is part of racing, and it's such an important part of it that we've definitely lost for sure um we we can be better we can do better i'm confident this isn't lost we just we're gonna have to make some real decisions some big decisions and 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 we're trying we tried this path it's not it's not helping us let's let's try something different to put all that into perspective do you remember in 2010, you pitted from the lead at Martinsville mm-hmm. with like eight laps, ninth. restarted with six laps to go, and were able to drive from, yep. I don't know, the sixth row to win the race? I sure do. That, those days are gone. I mean, until we change something, we fundamentally change something, get rid of the shifting, give us a, a tire that falls off or more horsepower, you, you've got those three things. Shifting tires, horsepower, change one of them, like majorly change them. Don't tweak it, change them, and this will get better. And if you change all of them, you'd have, the cream would rise to the top. That is for sure. You would know who the superstars of this sport are. At just short tracks or all around? Well, certainly on short tracks. I think that, you you know, I think that, Jeff Gluck's poll of his, is it a good race? Flat out, the numbers are down this year, right? I mean, it's not, it's just, it's just down. Um, and it's, people are starting to figure out the next gen car. They, they, um, they definitely are getting more honed in. Everyone's starting to run the same speed. We got the same, everyone's got the same equipment nowadays, right? There's just not enough variables between the cars and ingenuity that like, teams can have to make your car faster than my car it's just become an execution race qualify well stay up front don't make a mistake on pit road don't screw up your strategy you will contend for a win if you were to change uh rpms and and Mm -hmm. the the horsepower and whatnot does that create a car that's more expensive for an individual team. What I'm, what I'm kind of getting at is if you change all those three things, you'd still have what NASCAR is looking for, right? Which is an overall more competitive field. Yes. But the difference in each car would solely come down to the it driver. It cost the teams no additional money. Um, again, because when we had 900 horsepower, the engine bills were the same. Um, we've just taken 300 horsepower out just because. You know, I don't know if it's a limiting factor on uh, a new manufacturer coming in, but I don't see anyone knocking on our door. So, so you you would get the product you're looking for. It would Let, be, get, you know, I I thought that, uh, gosh dang it, who was it? But that was sitting behind me at that Atlanta drivers meeting. It's just like I forget. I want to give him credit. Whoever it was says, make our product good. People will want to come. Yep. 
make our make our product good, people will come. Sponsors, manufacturers, whatever, right? Um, and it, there's a lot of barriers to a new manufacturer coming in. Like it's not they don't just build an engine or have to develop an engine. They have to develop a simulation. They know they got to you know build um, you know these motion uh, simulators that cost a ton of money. Like there's the the barrier is tough for someone new to come in, uh, but it's the the easiest thing is just that little one inch plate in the intake changing that thing out to be a little bit bigger to give us some more horsepower back to you know again just just try it please one time and if it doesn't work then we'll 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 try something different but i think that shifting horsepower tires one of the three of them has to change in a big way uh, or else we're going to keep chasing our tail and keep spending money on these aerodynamic tweaks Racing with what we have, how were you able, or how how did you make that pass on Chase Briscoe for the lead under green flag conditions? Uh, finally, our pace started slowing up enough to where I could work him over. And you know, again, when I talked about kind of how my te- technique at, is at at Martinsville, um, I have to be patient, very very patient with uh, waiting until the lap time falls off to a certain number. That way I can then start working a different lane of the racetrack. So I knew that our car was strong when it was Chase, Briscoe, Harvick, and then me. And we pulled away from fourth place by like a mile. And I was able to stay tucked up right near those guys. And I'm like, oh, if I get in front of them, they ain't coming back around me. Because if, if, if you can stay that close to the leader when he's in clean air and has that big of an advantage, that means your car is really, really strong. And uh, so I worked over Harvick. I passed him when we had about 40 laps on tires, maybe 50. And then about 20 laps later, I just I worked over Priest enough to where Briscoe. Uh, Briscoe to where he was starting to miss the bottom. He was getting loose, and I just kind of used my technique to get off the corner a little bit better than him. And at that point, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to lap as many cars as, as I could. And, you know, that's when me and Bubba got into it. But, you know, I, I, was, I knew that a green flag cycle was about to start. And also I saw Logano, him, and a couple other guys that, you know, would be normal contenders week in, week out like an opportunity to lap them, I'm pushing. Like I want to I want to lap all of them because yeah. it opens up my box of strategy that I can do with less cars on the lead lap. So I was behind Bubba for a really long time and I'm getting frustrated and I'm like, gosh, dang it, I need to, you know, I need to kind of, you know, I moved up and then he moved up in front of me and I just did that for about three or four laps. I'm like, I got to dive it in here. And uh, when I dove in, he came down, we hit. I knocked him up the track, and then he, <laughs> for four straight laps, had my rear tires off the race, off the racetrack. And I told him afterwards, I'm like, "Listen, I, if you wanted to hit me, that was that was fine for like one once or twice, but like eventually you got to get off my ass. You know, I am the leader of the race, and so, um, you know, it, we're, we're we're it's just a situation where he's fighting because he knows how important it is to stay on the lead lap, and I am fighting to put all these guys a lap down how important it is to put them a lap yeah, down because you know i didn't i didn't get it done and then i think i passed the 22 or lapped him and then bam caution comes out or something like that all those guys yeah and and like i, I could have had him a lap down where 
then we wouldn't have to deal with them later. Yeah. I think everyone's probably watching that race and be like, man, Bubba's racing you so hard. You're his team owner. He should let you go. But it does put into perspective how you, you said it earlier is that those guys' cars aren't necessarily that bad. Right. It's just where they are yep. in traffic, right? So in Bubba and Joey's case, if they can stay on the lead lap where they are and then the caution flies when it does, they pick up all that track position. And I think Bubba, I mean, Joey finished, what, third today, second? Yep. And my Bubba, I believe, salvaged the top 10 as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, was their car that bad or were they just in crappy air, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's chicken or the egg. We really don't know. Um, but listen, uh, Larson, this is a big one for him. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, he was super pumped, uh, on our golf guys chat. Like he, 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 you know, he said what he, he said on social media, unless you did that. Uh, I, I mean, I spoke okay. for him on social media. <laughs> okay. But he said the same thing he did. He was like, I can't yeah. believe it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's and, where it comes from. Yeah. So he, um, no, he, he he's gotten so much better. Back when he ran uh, for for Ganassi, like Larson, man, he was he was all over the place, and he couldn't hit the same line twice. And uh, he really put a lot of work in to, to get better at these uh, the, these short tracks. And um, and he's with an organization that's won, I think, this is their twenty eighth win or something at Martinsville. It's a crazy stat, uh, but it's great for them. Uh, I thought for sure NASCAR was going to take the nine and the five back to the R&D center uh, to even the score on those two as well. But uh, all's good there. Uh, looks like they got through tech. They're not going to be facing any scrutiny this week. Uh, but, yeah, it was uh, great for them. They they just – they're really capitalizing well. That, that team in general, they're just kind of – I said after the race, like, they're tinkering along, like, yeah, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, all race, and just keeping themselves in it. And eventually, you know, we we had a strategy call that didn't work out. Boom, we're out. Harvick got a penalty. Boom, he's out. Next thing you know, well, all right, race is here for ours, ours to take. So, and they've been doing it, and that's been their mo on the race wins that they've had this year. Is they're they're just out executing everyone. I think that's one thing that did make this race pretty fascinating is that with the hundred laps to go, you had those two cautions, one with the hundred and then one with 40 or 50. Yeah. And it was like, okay, which team who made the right call with a hundred to go and the right call yes. with 50 to go. It was a combination. Yep. Yeah. That's where we lost it with the 11 car. Obviously I thought that we had a race winning car again. <laughs> um, at least we got a decent finish out of it this time. Uh, I was thinking, I, I was chewing the steering wheel when I was about eighth or ninth there um, with uh, 30 or 40 to go because, you know, we had cho we had just pitted. We had nine laps on our tires. And I, I, I talked to Gabe Hart afterwards, and he's like, I was going to stay. But then you kind of put so, a little doubt in my exactly. mind. Exactly. That's what I wanted to. I yeah. wanted to play devil's advocate because you obviously sounded frustrated on the radio after coming out ninth, right? But before pitting, you'd said something like, "So those guys on fresh tires are going to be behind us, like right behind me, right behind yep. me." So and like, I think that that gave him pause. Yeah, and he's like, and he even said like, "Maybe I thought we were better than what we really were," and it was it was unbelievable. I mean, I I thought you know, hey, if we come out fifth i'll be fine um but 
we didn't. We came out ninth because uh, of the cars that stayed out there. I mean, I was just about to lap to 22, and next thing you know, he's in front of me. Yeah. Like five laps later, and I was like, "What the hell happened?" Right? It's just the guys that don't have anything to lose. They just they go long, and they catch a caution, bam! It changes the whole complexion of the race. But I, I, I definitely messed up. I guess kind of putting that doubt in his mind. I mean, looking back on it, nine lap tires, like pff, we we definitely should have stayed out. I mean, that that's just a we, we certainly yeah. would have led the race because the uh Briscoe, he stayed out on whatever lap tires he had and was pulling away from the field who had tires. And so with nine laps on our tires, no doubt as fast as our car was, we were gonna at least be pitting from the lead going into the last pit stop instead of ninth. And we just decided to stay out, which was actually a saver for our race for a top five because, you know, that was a super aggressive call. I was really worried about it. You know, I had new tires right behind me, right beside me. And with 30 lap tires, we were able to hold them off. I mean, our car was strong and Joey finished second on old tires. So it just, um, yeah, I, we, uh, we fumbled it a little bit, partially my fault for sure, for kind of putting that doubt in his mind that I couldn't hold those guys off of nine lap tires, but dang it. I hate, I hate missing out on these, which should be wins. But when, when you have the problem that we have with passing, like you have to hit your strategy, you have to hit your pit road. Everything has got to be, it's execution. And it's, you know, that's been kind of the Achilles heel of the 11 car for, for the last few years. Um, pit crew did, my pit crew did great, this this uh today um no blow up stops they kept me in the game the whole time uh it's just that one caution that like it can go either way you either pitting or not that decides the outcome yeah my question is and obviously hindsight's always 2020 but had you stayed out with 100 laps to go do you really think that you would have taken two tires on the second caution because maybe harvick i don't know yeah i don't know and that would have been a choice we would have made right but we were at least the worst we would have been is been where briscoe was on 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 uh he had he was on four tires i thought we were i thought we were better than him we clearly passed him um and he was pressuring me for third or fourth well third for a while and if if his car was better or maybe mine was just good enough on the old tires like i felt like if i if i had new tires against a 30 lap guy i probably would have got around him i thought but who knows, right? This is the ifs and whats and buts and all that stuff. It's just, it's another one that, that got away a little bit, but I'm really happy with our start to our white hot run. Yeah. Did you see, speaking of, did you see uh, NASCAR's yeah, tweet? Yeah. People are so unoriginal. <laughs> Get your own damn quotes. Like, come on, man. Uh, people love using the quotes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. He deserves that. He's won two out of the last three. Fine. Larson's white hot. You're at least not a lawn chair this week. Yeah, screw Chopper. Yeah, my, my, he called me out last week. Now, listen, it was deserving on Dirty Modo. If you listen to him, he's like, I don't get it. You know, Hamlin, he runs up front, runs up front, runs up front, finish 20th, 20th. Take someone out, finish 20th. Bad strategy, finish 20th. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I'm sick of losing <laughs> money on him. And I'm just like, all right, all right buddy well, bet, bet against me at your own risk well y'all have some some beef from pickleball right 
carried over. Yeah, he listen. The guy can't bend over and tie his shoes. Like he thinks <laughs> he's gonna beat me one on one in pickleball. Give me a break. Did the did the track change much today when we went from uh, overcast to sun back to overcast? It did. For whatever reason, my car took off when it was sunny. It was all in the mail, and the Hendrick guys. I noticed the forty eight of Bowman had a crazy fast run early in the race and then never I never saw the guy again and it was during that time where my car I was battling with the sixth car with Keselowski you know he couldn't hold the bottom so he kept running into the side of me and finally I gave him the business back on the on the back straightaway and uh and rubbed up against him and then I'm like all right well I'm gonna he, he kept running me in the middle of the corner so I'm gonna nudge him up and then we he carried me all the way down to the pit lane down the down the back stretch and uh but from that point on like i drove from eighth to second or third or something like that my car took off that's right when the sun came out and the hendrick cars dropped an anchor they were plowing the center of the corner for whatever reason when that happened and uh so that was a big transition point of the race and uh but they you know they kept themselves in it, the five cars especially uh and and just executed perfectly the 24 really surprised he wasn't better than what he was the nine car i guess he finished 10th i don't know where he ran all day but um really surprised with the 24 he was if you look at the averages and stuff he was super fast in practice but just just was very pedestrian as i like to say all in all the stuart haas cars look the class of the field yeah shout out to stuart haas they had a great showing and they've not had a whole lot of those. <laughs> they've, they've struggled um, for a while, you know, getting all their cars to run fast. But it seems like when they do, like, they they all run in the top 10. Like, it's, it's weird that maybe they just hit on a setup or something like that on some oddball weekends. But, like, they listen, they're, they're not afraid to run 15th to 28th, you know, for a few weeks and then all of a sudden they show up at martinsville and it's like oh gosh they're all you know probably the top five fastest cars so um yeah they they hit on something that was super good for them and uh when i was racing around them they were they were pretty dialed in yeah what did can you uh say what almarola can't you all y'all were talking about after the race yeah he i mean he's he just said what i talked about for an hour that oh. can't can't pass he's like you know it's just so frustrating that we we thought we were good and then put us in eighth and we were not good so yeah. um uh, that was it yeah dear danny we've got some questions that we want to ask dear danny we need answers and we need them fast we tried to ask junior but his answers were lame and with dbc it was more of the same now we're calling on you, cause you're our only hope. This ain't the racetrack, so maybe you won't choke. Dear Denny. Moving on to Dear Denny uh, put out uh, this question on your Instagram. So people listening to the show, always remember you can tweet at Denny or Dirty Mo with hashtag Dear Denny or just reply to um, some of those Instagram stories I put up every once in a while. First question is... You once talked about how frustrating it is to watch a teammate have success while you struggle. Has the weekly success of Christopher Bell, the current points leader, early this season frustrated you at all? 
Uh, no, because I think that we've ran as good as Christopher Bell. We just haven't finished as good as Christopher Bell. But it is fu- it. I've been in that position absolutely, where, um, you know, Kyle Busch when he he first came in, Matt Kenseth, um, you know, probably in 2013. I've had plenty of years where my you know guys in the same equipment as me are outperforming me me week in week out, and absolutely it is frustrating. I mean, it's one thing when your whole organization is running in the teens and that's kind of, well, you can kind of draw a conclusion. That's all of our cars are capable of. But when you've got one that is, you know, out front or capable of winning and you've got the rest of them in the teens, then yeah, it, it becomes like, what am I doing wrong for sure? And I mean, I definitely doubted myself in 2018 when it seems like I, I could qualify well, but as soon as they dropped the green, I, could, I couldn't get to 12th place fast enough. And, um, you know, things changed in 2019, and we, we've been as fast, if not faster than anybody from that point on. And, you know, it's at least got as many wins as anyone at that point. Larson might have one more than me now in, in this last four-year stretch, but I think it's close. Um, how does someone start – their career in the sport and not necessarily as a driver, but in the business world of the sport. I, I think if you want to be part of a, a NASCAR team, now is the time It's the, the easiest entry point ever in history is right now. Um, I think that certainly, you know, if you're passionate about the sport, I would say go to your local short track and um, volunteer to be on a, on someone's team, at, at the local short track. So a late model team or whatever team and just say, what do you need me to do? And continue to work up the ladder. If you look at a lot of the uh, team members or, or pit crew members, uh, spotters, these are guys that like, I, I saw Alex Yance that was the crew chief for the 10 car in Xfinity. I'm like, really? I, you know, I was racing, I raced late models with him. Frank Denny Jr. Who's a spotter. Like, Drew Herring is, is a spotter for Truex. Like I raced against all these guys. Like you, you, you stay in the sport and you just, you work your way up and you get experience. And I know at 2311, it's, you know, you submit your resume and, and we'll go through it. And we've been given people with maybe even less experience than what we're comfortable with at times jobs, because we feel like we can train them and lead them to have the skill set that they can have for the long term. Um, but I would just go and volunteer at a local short track and then take those credentials and uh, apply for then a truck team. Um, it's not going to be your front-running truck team. They're not going to take a risk on an unknown guy. But you stay in the sport. You, you, you help out. Sometimes you're going to have to volunteer. And um, it, it'll pay off in the long run. I, I definitely think the entry point's easier to come in and work for a, a top-tier team now than ever. And that goes for... All positions across the board, not yeah. just marketing, the office things as well. Yeah, sure. Um, I think that, you know, kind of the carpet walkers, as I like to call them, the, the people that don't really go into the race shop, but they do sponsorship and marketing and hospitality and stuff. You don't have to necessarily be in the sport to be have an entry point mm-hmm. for that. Uh, but as far as mechanics on a race car, um, if you if you want to do it, you, you, you can do it. You, you can come in right now. Moving on to Talladega this weekend, um, what's different about, or, or what are the differences we're going to see this weekend with Talladega than we did with Daytona? 
it's a much wider racetrack, but we we don't need okay. all that space. <laughs> we don't need all that space. Um, so man, still double I, file. I hate being Denny Downer. That's the segment that follows uh, Dear Denny. Oh, <laughs> gosh, dang it. Denny Downer. No, I mean, I'm trying to find some positives here, but our super speedway racing isn't what it, what it yeah. used to be either. It used to be three wide, four wide. You know, Dale Earnhardt. Uh, okay, I don't know how many times you're going to see that Dale Earnhardt comes from 18th to 1st and five laps or whatever it is. They're going to keep playing that damn replay. Well, that's nice because it's not able to be done anymore. So, uh, it, it just, um, we're going to get in line. There's going to be an inside line. There's going to be an outside line. I'm going to be in one of them and I'm going to just sit right there and cross your fingers. I, I put on the handcuffs, you know, the, the, the day of building runs, making runs. And it's just, we're just going to sit there and, and I 77 traffic. And hopefully I pick the right line that goes forward. And what happens is whatever line um, has the third and fourth place guy willing to push more, that line usually prevails. And so I usually just, I will jump lines when I feel like I can be a lower number in whatever lane that I'm in. Um, so that will be my strategy is just kind of get in line and ride around. And uh, hopefully we miss the carnage from a, a push gone bad or, or a block gone bad up front. So important to qualify well. Uh, yeah. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of other factors, right? Is in the manufacturers going to get together yeah. green flag pit stops. You're able to psych your cycle, your way to the front, uh, through things like that, executing well, um, on and off pit road, good, fast pit stop, maybe taking no tires. Uh, but it's going to be all track position. I mean, no question about it. Whoever's up front in the top eight, you better be in the top eight with 30, 40 to go or else you're not going to win. Well, to put a little bow on that, Chase Elliott is racing, so that's a reason to tune in. If the, yes, if the racing man, yep. that could. <laughs> yeah, that's great. No, it will be uh it'll be good. He, yeah, Chase is a really good super speedway racer for sure. Um, so yeah, you you never know. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's a it's a great track for me. Um, again, I, I wish I could make some of those moves I made in the past, but it's uh it's a different type of racing now, so we we've got to adapt. What do you got uh, going on this week? I mean, I know what you got going on this week, but. Um, I've got uh, Golf Guys Tournament round two. Uh, we're playing in Carmel uh, down in South Charlotte on Tuesday. Uh, Ricky won the championship last year for the Golf Guys, and then he won our very first event um, at the Peninsula. And uh, I, I, he's starting to draw a little bit of questioning of his handicap. Because it seems as though the definition of a sandbagger is someone that performs really good during tournaments, but when they're not in tournaments, then it really doesn't matter. Their scores are quite a bit higher. So I'm not trying to accuse him, but perhaps we should do some further investigating on Ricky's uh, handicap because certainly he's better than me now. There's not even a question. We used to be very close. I, I was a little bit better golfer than him, but he since I got a real job now and own a race team, and he he's got his farm. He's the better golfer, that's for sure. But his handicap is not going down 
when he's shooting low 70s because he's also posting mid 80s when none of us are around. So uh, I don't know. So so for people who who have no idea what's going on, you, you, I think we talked about the golf I, guys. I, yeah, tour I run a golf league. It's called the Golf Guys Tour. It originally started from a text. Me and Ricky were getting together during a uh, um, uh, Loud New Hampshire uh, test, and he's like, you know, we all golf together. Like, how can we create a format to figure out who is the best NASCAR golfer? So it's filled, you know, a bunch of people from Fox, NBC, uh, are participate in it. A uh, bunch of drivers. So. Uh, I created this probably, gosh, it has to be almost uh, seven, eight years ago. Larson's won the championship once or twice. I've won twice. Ricky's won three times. Uh, and then one other, we had a an other win, Brian Williams. A non-famous won. person. Non-famous person. Jared always comes out to the golf course and takes <laughs> pictures. And uh, <laughs> he gets a lot of <laughs> because all the guys are like, why don't you ever take a pictures of us? Like, just cause we're not famous. Like, do we not? And so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're going to have to take a pictures of the, uh, the others, the others. Um, sweet. So well, we got the golf guys tournament on Tuesday. Taylor has been practicing her butt off, uh, for Dorothy at, on the wizard of Oz. So her school plays this week. She's been for months and months doing, uh, practices. Um, you know, she had to audition for it. She's, you know, really all in on this whole acting career or whatever she's trying to uh, accomplish. But she's working really hard at it, proud of her. Um, she takes singing lessons, dancing, acting lessons. It's nonstop with her. Uh, but uh, great to see. I can't wait to, to go to the school and watch it. Um, really a proud moment to, to watch Taylor uh, you know, do what she loves and be so good at it. I mean, it's it's what she's committed to, that's for sure. Yeah, it's it's amazing the contrast in Taylor to Molly. Yeah. And yeah. Like what Taylor's interested in in her attitude versus Molly. It's they're they're polar that. opposites and most parents that you uh, ever talk to will say that whatever one is, the second one's going to be totally opposite and and I agree. Well, that's that's what's happening this week um before we sign off here. Uh got a Give a shout out to um, Dirty Mo and all of our social handles. So you can follow Dirty Mo uh, at Dirty Mo Media across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, anywhere you get your social media. He's at Denny Hamlin and I'm at Jared Allen. Remember to rate, follow, and review. All right. We'll see you all next week. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.